You guys ready to do this? Welcome to the Cap Space Wins Cups podcast. Space Wins Cups Podcast, episode 67 on the Area 51 Sports Network. I am your host, Hassan Ahmed. I am joined alongside, as per usual, my twin brother, Asan Asamid. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you? No host this week, but we do have our man, Andy Purr, on the phone. Andy, what's going on, dude? I'm just looking at our group message, and Hussein left the message, so I guess he's quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's that's behind that's uh that's uh, it's gonna I mean, who says a call with HR scheduled after this <laughs> exit interview. Right, yeah. <laughs> hey, I need you to talk into your microphone. So if you want your computer in front of you, move the microphone <laughs> or the computer. Like it's your choice, but how's that? That's better. Okay, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you'd iron this up before we started. I usually how I sit. I don't know why you're complaining about it all of a sudden. You're talking on the side of your mouth like like this. I it's think it's sound, you know what in my own ears I sound great. That's all that matters to me. All right, but before we get started. Uh, on this episode, we have a very special happy birthday to Ace Ahmed, the producer of the Fresh Podcast. Happy birthday, buddy! Thanks, buddy. It's, it's your birthday too. <laughs> Thanks. Are you gonna say happy birthday to me now? Happy birthday! Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, me and Ace's birthday. Today. Yeah. Hey, you get the applause right for once, man. You yeah. got it right on schedule. Nice job. Really loud, though, huh? Yeah, that's always the problem, though. Um, but yes, uh, obviously, before we get into the uh, Canucks, who had a bit of a dreadful week themselves. Um, we will always address the, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks situation with uh, Brad Aldrich and, and Kyle Beach, um, who identified himself as the uh, player in the investigation that's uh, going on with the Blackhawks right now. Um, and I know we were all kind of messaging about it back and forth uh, when it happened earlier this week. Um, you know, we all have, I'm sure we all have some strong opinions and thoughts on it, but, um, you know, at this point, I'm just, uh, it, and it just handling the situation has really pissed me off in terms of, um, you know, the way that, um, you know, some of these, you know, people who are involved in covering up um, a very, very serious, uh, you know, a criminal act that, uh, you know, ruined a man's life, um, you know, and, it, it, and his career, which is like secondary to, to that. Um, and it's just, you know, that watching that whole interview with TSN with, with Rick Westhead and, and Kyle Beach, was, it, was, it was super emotional and like, you know, especially the part where uh, part that really got to me was when uh, Rick asked Kyle about you know if he if he had a message for the 16 year old player who was also uh, you know sexually abused by Brad Aldrich who moved on to work at high school after he was left the Blackhawks and then he broke down and was apologizing to to the kid um, and I was just like you know that is that is just seems so wrong to me and you see guys like Joel Quenville uh, and and Taves and Kane and Keith and and Stan Bowman and all these guys, you know, denying allegations and saying that they didn't know about it. And you have all these reports and evidence pointing to the contrary. And it just really pissed me off and it's really left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, not just with the Blackhawks, but with the NHL at large. And, you know, it seems like a problem and it seems like it's like you. I love hockey and I love the NHL and, I, you know, I, I love watching sports. But then you see this side of it and sometimes you just like, man, like I, I just wish I wasn't a, a fan of sports because... Of stuff like this, um, so that, that was kind of what my whole read on the situation was. I don't know if you guys want to chime in on it before we uh, shift gears, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much covered it. Um, obviously, it was a failure by many people for many years, right? Like 
the every time you think of the story, it just gets worse and worse, right? Like, let's for some reason pretend that they didn't want to have a distraction, which I think is bullshit. But let's say you didn't want the distraction. You win the Stanley Cup, and then you just decide not to do anything for the next 10 years. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just every time you think they had an opportunity to do better, they got worse. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, hopefully it never happens again. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> Failure on a lot of fronts. Um, NHL, the Blackhawks, uh, you know, the NHL Players Association. Yeah, oh he reached yeah. out to Donald Fear, who uh, I don't think should be getting out of this uh, unscathed because, um, you know, what they did or didn't do, rather, um, really, you know, there was a lot of a lot of people who could have stepped up and should have stepped up and didn't. And, you know, people, Shovel Day off as well. They released their statement about, you know, what, what, he shouldn't have done or he was legally not required to by Illinois state law to report that. I don't know about all that crap, but you know, Quenville coaches a game amidst all this for some reason, then steps down the next day. It's just been poorly handled start to finish. You know, your heart just goes out to Kyle beach and you just hope that some good comes out of this story that, you know, there will be better protocols in place and that there isn't another Kyle beach um in the future and if there is that you know he gets the help he that needs. he gets the help that he needs and that you know is properly reported next time so you know hopefully there isn't a next time but you just got to make sure you know that something positive comes out of this and so just you know you know standing ovation for kyle beach there because that what he had to do wasn't easy and what he had to deal with um so yeah just heart goes out to him good good call out uh they race on that pa um and, and donald fear by name they're not getting off this and i think that you know, often I laud the media in Vancouver for, you know, doing a great job covering the Canucks and, you know, how you know how hard they are on the team for, you know, critical on ice performances and they ask tough questions, etc. Um, I, don't, I don't think the media um, that's covering this Blackhawks story should be getting off the hook either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, besides Rick Westhead, uh, most of the reporters and mainstream, you know, quote-unquote insiders um, barely gave this story, you know, uh, the time of day. Um you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to general. I don't want to generalize. Obviously, there was some people doing a lot of good work on this, but you know, I'm talking. I'm, you know, Friedman, Darren Reger, um, LeBron, LeBron. These guys weren't saying anything about this story. And now it's all out in the open, and now everybody's taking, you know, a kick and sand at the Blackhawks organization and trying to act like, uh, you know, they're, they're on some sort of moral high ground here when they actually had a chance to make a difference on it and didn't. Um, you know, it, and they all had their own excuses for why they didn't do what they did. Um, it's all bullshit and we all, you know, three of us know that, you know, it's because they didn't want their sources or access cut, um, you know, for, for other stories and stuff. And that's, uh, that's pretty spineless. And, you know, um, I think that those people should take a lot more heat than they are because right now they're all, uh, going, you know, going on Sportsnet and, and talking about the Blackhawks and Ron McLean's talking about Hockey Night in Canada when, you know, they were, when the, when this story was originally released, they didn't even talk about it on on tv or anything like that and that was just disgusting and and i just i just find i mean i'm glad it's getting coverage now but it it really grinds my gears that those people um you know didn't say anything about it at that time yeah exactly i mean like you know how do you these people know about you know an ahl players ahl nhl salary breakdown for Mm -hmm. some you know 29 year old check player we've never heard of but you're telling me in 10 years they didn't hear one whispering about hey this guy might have been sexually assaulted during a blackhawks playoff run like you know (laughs) i find that very hard to believe yeah 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 um yeah and i don't think that this day of reckoning is over for nhl and hopefully it continues to happen and i know a lot of players made some good comments about it so hopefully this is um you know the first step um of a of a long process of improving the nhl and hockey at large so um, I'll, I'll put a bow on that conversation for now. Um, but you know, thoughts and prayers out to Kyle Beach and his family and the other victim, actually, John Doe number two, still hasn't been identified. Who still hasn't identified. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, something better, There's some form of peace for uh, for all the victims there. So yeah. hopefully, that's all we can hope for at this point. Um, we'll kind of ch- shift gears here, and you know, it's obviously a little bit of a tough transition. You know, you know, uh, we try to take ourselves not too seriously on this show, but um, we will discuss the Canucks, and we're going to get to it now. Um, so the Canucks had a bit of a tough week this week. Bit of a tough week. What are you talking about? <laughs> they were total <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, that is that is a, a more blunt way of putting it. Um, yeah. So since we last talked, the Canucks have played three games. Over three straight. Yeah, they deserve those three straight regulation losses. Um, I think Brock Besser probably saved the bring boot off the ice um, on the last home game against Edmonton by. Uh, 
snapping one past Miko Koskinen with uh, a couple seconds on the clock, or else uh, it sounded like it was going to be a f- all-out uh, boo fest for for the Canucks uh, off the uh, off home ice there, rightfully so. Uh, but yeah, seven-game homestand here, uh, three straight regulation losses, and if I'm being honest. It was pretty much the same game played three different times. Uh, you can copy and paste the result there. Um, Andy, I know you tweeted from the podcast account. What's a, uh, a successful homestand for Canucks this season? Um, and I think the majority of our respondents, correct me if I'm wrong here, voted that they should win five games. It would be successful for them. And uh, they're already uh, that's already impossible. And we were I'm, I'm sure some people were counting on some, you know, uh, you know, uh, overtime losses or shootout losses in there to pick up the single point. Um, so... This has been a, this has been a pretty, this has been terrible. You know, the Canucks are uh, three, five, and one now overall, um, seven points in the nine games. This is not, uh, not great here for the Canucks. Um, opening night, they played against the Wild. Demko stopped twenty-seven out of thirty. Looked, you know, in form as always. Um, there was pretty much no effort in that game. It was a complete dud. Um, I know Dickinson was missing. Um, the Canucks go one for three in the power play. Chase on. Uh, scores a goal after a huge point shot from Pedersen. Um, that was pretty much the only offense the Canucks would really generate until Horvat decided to bull rush the puck to the net with about four minutes left, which got some life in the building, and then the Canucks still couldn't even get the puck in the zone after that, and uh, the Wild were uh, able to just close up the game pretty much uh, pretty easily with the 3-2 victory. Um, so that, that was the uh, first game. Um, Philly comes into town on the 27th of October. Seems like it was going to be a barn burner. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they scored right in, what was it, 30 seconds of the game. I was going to the game with Hoos. Uh, we just had, I just got to my seat, uh, you know, I'm faced away from the play for a second. And as I'm sitting down, I can hear the boo birds rating and I turn and see, and it's one nothing Philadelphia, like less than 30 seconds in the game. Uh, Hughes scored pretty much right after that to answer that with a point shot that hit the post. Off the goalie's back, uh, Martin Jones, and it went in. Uh, Halak got the start, which some people were pretty critical of him at the beginning of the game, but he actually... Uh, that on, first goal was sort of rough. Yeah, but he did put on a great performance, in my opinion. 26 at 28 shot stop. Again, no Dickinson. Garland only played 10 minutes, which was a big talking point after this game. The Canucks power play, 0 for 5 in this game. So, uh, Travis Green did take some fire for that as well. And Philadelphia did score a power play goal. Yep. Uh, and then... Oh, yes, off a beautiful bank pass. Um, and then... Uh, the Canucks... I have to take on the high-flying Edmonton Oilers. Um, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisel will come to town Saturday night. First talking in Canada game of the season for the Vancouver Canucks at home ice. And uh, Miko Koskinen, out of all people, uh, puts in a, puts in an A-plus effort um, and nearly shuts out the Canucks, like I mentioned. Brock Besser, I think with three seconds or four seconds left on the clock, um, you know, wired a wrister. Uh, short side passed him on a 6-on-4. Four, six, five. Yeah, I mean it was real garbage time. It was already two nothing at that time. They always scored two times in the power play with their historically good power plays. Drans has mentioned at least eight hundred times. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty much the same as the game before. It to be honest, they offered some new look power play units that didn't really get opportunity to play because the Canucks only got one power play in the whole game, which came with about three minutes left. Um, Pod Colden season high nine minutes of ice time in that game. No, it's not not season high, but it's a recent high for him. Right? What is how? What does it seem like? Buffalo twelve he minutes. Played, he played a ten. He has a ten minute game in there somewhere. But yes, Buckles was probably one of his better games as a Canuck. Um, I thought. But yes, let's uh, let uh, you guys want to rip into these guys now or what? I feel like they deserve it, Andy. Yeah, I think <clears throat> it's tough because it is still early in the season. But it's not about it's not about the losses. It's about who you're losing to, right? Like. I don't think the Canucks are going to be challenging for first overall in the Western Conference. What? So it'd be different. It'd be something different if you were losing. I know, crazy, right? <laughs> if you're losing to Vegas and you're losing to, you know, even Edmonton and you're losing to Colorado, Colorado and Tampa, you know what I mean? Like you could say, okay, they're the best teams in the league. They kept it close, whatever. But there's a really good chance that the Canucks are going to be battling with teams like Minnesota yeah. for playoff position, right? Yeah. So. It's not just about losing the games. It's who you're losing to, right? Like, these are the games where you have to get points, right? You have to beat Buffalo and Detroit two times in overtime. Or even not overtime, right? You need four points out of both of those teams. You need to beat Minnesota. You need to find a way to get an extra point out of the Edmonton game, right? Like, it's, you know, it's one thing to lose, but it's who you lose to. It's kind of like when, you know, when you talk about goalies and you say, hey, they made 28 saves, you know, they had a decent game. It's like, yeah, that's true, but they also stopped a you know a, a two on one when the Canucks, you know, it was a two nothing game. If it goes into three nothing, the game's over. But they made a big save, right? Yeah. It's 
it's not about the total results, it's about kind of the process and how you get there. And right now, the process is not good. Yeah, I mean, look, the Canucks went on that long road trip to start the season, and I think most, for the most part, people will say that was an okay road trip. But playing 500-ish, you know, slightly above 500 on the road is only acceptable if you're taking care of home ice and defending home ice, right? And three straight regulation losses where you got absolutely nothing is just unacceptable. You have fans in the building for the first time in, in what, forever. Years. Three years. And you, the effort was just terrible. There was no energy formed. It seems like they were just playing quicksand out there. There was just a complete lack of urgency for most of the games. The, the Edmonton game was probably the best game that they played. And they had a few good shifts in the second period. And that was the... But, you know, the time for moral victories is done. This team, you need to... You see how quickly the Canucks season slipped away from last season when yeah. they get a few games below 500. Whoa. Oh, are you oh, okay? That was almost a, a huge spill. <laughs> <laughs> um, you see how quickly the Canucks season got away from them once they get below 500. You have to stay at 500 at minimum to stay competitive in the NHL. The, the, the thing about parity in the NHL is if you're near 500, you're still within striking distance of, of most teams for the most part. If you get three, four, five games below 500, it is hard. That is a 10-game win streak to get yourself back in the positives. You know, yeah. like you, you have to win five in a row and then... A few more after that to get yourself some, even just like on solid footing, right? The Canucks are right now what, two games below 500. They have four games left at home. This homestand will be an unequivocal disaster. I mean, it's already pretty much a disaster, but if four and three would be like the bare minimum for you to be like, okay, that was fine. And that would mean four straight wins for this team. And I don't see four straight wins for this team the way they're playing on the horizon. So there is a lot of, there's a lot of issues with this team right now. Ace, you're kind of going into uh, results and, you know, uh, what the Canucks need to do to get out of this funk. And I think Andy kind of mentioned earlier, you know, it's process, the process right now. And the process looks broken to me with what the Canucks are doing. Whatever they're doing or not doing isn't working or isn't working the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think you need to have to, I don't think you need to be an NHL scout or be some sort of super, you know, big hockey fan to look at the Canucks right now and know that and, and figure out that, hey, you know what, something here isn't working the way it's supposed to be. The last three games, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, the last three games to me were the same game. There was almost no entertainment value in any of them. There was no effort. There was no pushback in any of those games. Um, and I, I can't for the life of me understand why the hell not. There's fans in the building. And, okay, uh, this is kind of a little bit of a sidebar here. Andy, you you haven't been to a game this season at, at Rogers Arena, right? Not I went to the, the Seattle preseason. Yeah, no, yeah. no, not regular season game though, right? No. No, yeah. So, I mean, I, me and Ace were both at, uh, or sorry, I've actually been to two of the three games at home ice so far. I was at Philly at Minnesota. Uh, I mean, I, I saw a lot of this on Twitter and like on Donnie and Dolly, people ripping uh, the crowd atmosphere uh, on the home opener. What did you think of it on TV, Andy? Like, what did you say? Like, would you say it was, like, how did it come across on TV? Would you say the, the home opener atmosphere? I think I think it was a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to say quiet. Um, you know, I was talking to a few of my friends who were there, and of course, you guys. And it, I guess, I just expected more excitement for first time in a year and a half in the in the arena. But you know, at the same time, like you said, the games are boring. Like yeah. fans aren't going to go there and cheer hard because you know Justin Dowling chipped the puck in deep, right? Like you need to play an entertaining brand of hockey to give people something to be excited about, right? Like, That's, I was, I was yeah. watching the Seahawks game today, and when, I think it was Travis Homer returned the onside pick yeah. for a touchdown. Like, I wasn't jumping off my couch. The game was 24 nothing at that point. Like, who cares? Yep. You know? Yep, and I'm just wondering, like, that's my point. Like, players, if you're in NHL, should not need fans' engagement to, like, get them up to play. Like, you're a professional athlete. You cash a lot of money in. You cash big checks. I don't give a shit if you're playing in an empty arena. Like, you should be coming in here and being ready to play. And the Canucks, so far, every game they've played, do not look like they're ready to play. Um, and I don't know if you want to blame that on the players or the coaches or the GM or whoever the hell you want to blame it on. It's unacceptable. And, I mean, during the home opener, like, the, the pregame was great. The hype video was awesome. I know it got a lot of love online. People really, really liked it. The, the heroes welcome back. Um, and, I mean, like, the atmosphere was pretty good for the first, you know, four or five minutes. Um, people were really buzzing. I think I think the Canucks scored first. The, the, the place was going to explode. 
Um, and I mean, you know, Pedersen had his first shift, you know, not, didn't really do too much. He's on there. The crowd is chanting PD, PD, PD. Like, I mean, I don't really know what more you want from your home crowd um, to get you going a little bit at least. And then you got to give them something back to cheer about. Like if the game just comes into a complete lull, like you said, Andy, like people aren't going to be, you know, standing up on their seats, you know, freaking out, screaming, going crazy for, for nothing happening. So that was kind of a pet, like a little bit of annoying thing that I've seen that like, you know, the atmosphere needs to be better. Like the Canucks need to play better if they want to get a better atmosphere in the arena. Like who's going to give, who's going to be excited watching these games? Like people were too, at the end of the Edmonton, second period of the Edmonton game were like, you know, I'm not watching the third period because like, you know, fuck this team and you know, it's so boring and stuff. And it's like, if people think that, like your hardcore fans think that, why would the people in the arena be, be jumping up and down for it? Yep, totally right. I mean, nail on the head there. So they got to play better. I, I, you know, entertaining is, is winning, right? So they got to win yep. at the end of the day at this point. The thing is, if your team is terrible, you need to score to at least entertain your fans, right? Like if the Canucks were, you know, winning all these games 2-1, to one, I think there would be a better atmosphere in the arena because they're winning. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're not getting the results right now, which is the main thing. And, and on top of that, they're not playing a very entertaining style of hockey. So it's just like... It, it just seems very eerily similar to the team that we saw last year on TV mm-hmm. and a lot of the same issues. And I think I think people are, you know, look, I, I was joking with you about how I'm going to be Mr. Overreaction this season about every single home game. But, you know, this is a huge season for the franchise. The expectations were there for um, the fans, the the, the the players, the coaches. This is the playoff. We're going to make the playoffs. That was the bare expectation. It's not like... People are kind of you. You can't come at the end of the season and rationalize and be like, "Oh, well, you know, we were in the hunt right until the end." Not acceptable. You know, this has to be a playoff result, or it's pretty much unequivocally a failure. So people, people are gonna be on your ass about this, and it's been a long time coming for this, and this is what they're seeing. It's not. People are gonna be, you know, uppity or or quick to want change. You know. Because it's been the same stuff for the last five or, you know, eight years of Benning. Five years with the same coaching staff. Last three seasons have been the same season, basically. People are ready to see changes. They want something. People are foaming at the mouth and they're angry and they should be. No, that is a totally acceptable response to this. <laughs> like, I, You would be crazy not to want to see change right now. It kind of it kind of reminds me, sorry, it kind of reminds me of the last, the last Sabine season where... You know, the team clearly didn't have the talent to score a lot of goals. They try to keep it close and get a power play goal late and win like 2-1, right? Yep. Which, you know, at the time was boring to watch, but it kind of made sense. They didn't really have any good players on the team. Like, the part that bothers me is this team's supposed to be an offensive, you know, I don't want to say juggernaut, but one of the better offensive teams in the league. If we have Pedersen, Besser, Miller, Garland, like, why are we trying to win 2-1 and grind it out? You know what I mean? It's just boring. It's also just, it's not even that. It's just like the pedigree of player on the Canucks right now, if you looked at it, be like, this is a significantly better team than last year. Significantly better than the team that was playing in the Canadian division last season. So this team should look different. Um, You know, you have options, you have the talent. Um, They're not performing. The top players of the Canucks right now aren't getting it done. I don't think anyone's disputing that. Now, is that because those players aren't that good? Or is it because the coaching staff isn't preparing them? Like, where does the blame for you guys lie right at this moment? I mean, for me, I'd say it's like 75, 80% of the players. Like, at the end of the day, you know, you can have Wayne Gretzky on the ice, and if he's not going to score goals, you know, how is that the coach's fault, right? But at the same time, like, Green needs to do things to give these players in position to succeed, right? Like... You know, something as simple as taking Chase on off power play one mm-hmm. and letting Brock Besser go out there. Like, I know it's a subtle thing and Chase on's good at the net front, but why would you not want your five best players playing together yep. on a power play? Yep. You know, or the thing that, you know, the thing we talked about last week with Pod Colson, like, why is Pod Colson in the NHL if he's going to get healthy scratched or play one, one shift in the second half of a game? Yep. Right? Like, I just feel like at a certain point, it's not 100% the player's fault. You can only do so much with how much ice you're given or who you play with. Yeah, I mean, I like, it's 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 hard to say, really, right? I mean, obviously, yes, I would say mainly it's on the players because the top guys have to score. 
Now, I don't know if this has been some sort of radical system shift that, you know, they want them to play a different way and it's not really working with their play style. Because if that's the case, then that is on the coaching staff. You have to... Part of being a coach is recognizing the player type of players you have and then working your system so that your players are successful in that system. You know, I could want to play a really defensive system, but if I don't have really good defensemen or, you know, a certain type of two-way players, that won't work. Now, if I have a lot of really high-flying offensive players... Maybe I want to play a bit more offensive game so I can get the most out of my players. I think this is a more overarching problem in the NHL. Coaches are married to the system they want to play rather than finding a system that's going to work. Like, why are we... The Canucks play a pretty intense dump and chase game for the most part. Why are we doing that? We are not a fast... The Canucks are not a fast team. Their best players are the best when they have the puck on their stick and are being creative. You know, Quinn Hughes, Patterson, Miller, even Besser... Even Garland, these guys are better puck possession, puck guys. possession when they have the puck and are getting speed through the neutral zone and then attacking the line and, and getting some control zone entries. And keeping the puck in the offensive zone. I, I don't know why that wouldn't be a bigger part of your game plan if you know players are successful like that. Is it worth surrendering less at 5-on-5 five five to generate absolutely nothing? Like, no, it's not. I don't care how much of a defensive team you... You cannot win if you don't score. Yep. That is the end of the day in the NHL. You have to score to win. And right now, whatever system or whatever the players are doing is not generating enough offense. So if you're the coach, you need to recognize that and figure out what is going on and what you can do to remedy this on your end. And if you change something and it's still not working, yeah, sure, you can say, you know, we've tried a few different looks. But at the end of the day, you've got to try something new because right now, all I'm seeing, it doesn't seem like there's any changes game to game. It seems like it's the same thing again and again. There's some changes in the power play last year. Or, uh, or uh, last game, rather. But, it, and you mentioned this, uh, there's a simple change. You know, sometimes you don't need to overthink this, right? Just put your five best guys over the boards on the power play and, and let them work. You know? That was the best, that was the best, one of the best units in the NHL uh, two, years two, year, two years ago. I don't think they've fallen that far that they can't make that work. So, I, I would say put them over the boards and let them work. I don't overcoach this, don't overthink this. Let your good players do what they do best. This is... Uh, this is the, what you were just mentioning is a great point, Ace, by mentioning, you know, like coaching the players you have and not necessarily, you know, forcing a system on them. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard the saying, you know, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And that's that's kind of the problem that we have with, you know, with, with you know, NHL coaches in general. And I mean, think, I think if you look at a guy like Alain Vigneault in 2011, even, you know, Mike Gill is kind of encouraging to, you know, let the team, uh, you know, take let the team play a little bit more offensive style because they had... Some of those players to play that kind of system. They weren't defensively irresponsible, but they, you know, they found a good balance. And like you said, Ace, like if you can't score in NHL, you can't win. It doesn't matter. You can't win a game zero zero, and that's just not a feasible strategy. The best, the best the Vancouver Canucks have looked over the past eight years uh, was the nineteen twenty season, where they were the seventeenth overall team in the league. They were a complete tire fire defensively, but they had an all-out three-four four-check. Got the puck and dominated possession down low with two of with their top six lines at least. The bottom six was a black hole of nothing, but the Lotto line and Horvat's line were able to do that consistently, consistently, and you know make, get scoring chances and get pucks on net and and put the puck in the net. And that high-flying offense, you know, got the team to within one game of going to the Western Conference Final. You know, say what you will about the sustainability of that strategy, it it worked for a whole year. And if you have, theoretically, if you have better defensive players and better players in general throughout your lineup, still playing offensively, you would still be able to def- defend better than what you were previously. Is that, is that, am I fair to say that? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's a good point you make too about, you know, changing how you, how your team plays your coaching style. Like beginning of the season, if you told me the Canucks were going to try to play a little bit more defensively and protect protect their weak blue line and hope their stars can score, I would say, yeah, that makes sense. But we're nine, ten games into the season. They have no offense. Like, why not turn them loose and see if you can outscore your problems for a few games? Like, what what harm is that? Worst case, you end up with another three losses. You're, you're losing anyway, exactly. It's not like whatever you're exactly. doing right now is leading you really good results. And at least that way, even if you lost game 6-5, five, five, you know, at least, you know, Patterson can be like, hey, you know, I scored a couple of goals. I'm going to feel a little better about my game offensively at least you know like at least there's some positives to draw from there here's my big thing that i've been pissed that, that travis green has been really getting under my skin with the lines change constantly 
um, every few second, few shifts, they, they have a different line. They never stick with the same line for most of the game. I would say arguably the Pearson, Horvath, Garland line was their best line for the road trip. And that was a line that stayed together and played every shift together. Every other line was a jumbled mix of nonsense every few shifts. And like, yeah, that's so irritating that those players can't build any chemistry together. And I know, and I know this is like the complete inverse Willie D debate. Like Willie D, no matter what, was rolling four lines, the same lines all the time. And Travis seems to be the opposite right now where he, he can't keep any of his lines together. So, I, I mean, I know it's kind of like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But if Travis Green was a coach that constantly wanted to change his lines when things weren't working, where the fuck is that thinking on the power play? Chase on gets trotted out there routinely. Uh, the same strategy, power play strategy is trotted out again and again and again. And it clearly doesn't work. And whatever they're trying to do isn't working. The Canucks power play is one of the worst I've seen in the league right now. Like, there's no movement. It's five guys, they go into their spots, and they stay there the whole time. And it's it's either JT Miller on the half wall, fakes a slap shot, no-look backhand pass to Hughes, who either tees up a shot, passes it to Pedersen for a one-timer, who either holds the puck or passes it back to Hughes, and they just try that again. So where the hell is that thinking on the power play that's clearly inept and not working right now, which going into the season people thought was going to be a, a strength of your team? No, exactly. And, you know, it's it kind of comes back to my earlier point about putting your five best players on the power play. Like, you don't think Besser and Miller and Pedersen, these guys have some offensive creativity? Like, of course they do. That's why they're one of the, you know, better offensive lines in the league. Like, let them go out there. If they want to put Pedersen behind the net and start doing bank passes yes. off the net, yes. and, you know, like, who cares? Let them do that. Clearly, you know, standing in one spot stationary, taking taking one-timers isn't working. So why not let them move around? That's what I'm... Like, yes. Even I, if you don't put the five best guys, can we please get a different look on the power play? Like, what is, what what, is the point well, I don't understand why they're married to the positioning of that of those guys where and they you, are. Sorry. Like, you know, Horvat has been great in the bumper spot, sure. But that's, he hasn't scored power play goal this season. You you have to try something different. We have... Like, you can't just stay in one spot on the power play. Look at the best power plays in the league. None of them have guys just standing still waiting for a puck to come to them, you know? Maybe let's get Kai Pedersen on his offs on his uh, on his strong side so he can get the puck. Maybe see what he Have can do. More Dishes dish it a little bit. See see what he can do that way. You know, put Miller down low. He's got some good battle level. But he's got a decent. He's a decent passer. Got put, put Besser in the bumper or something, or or put him on a whatever. Try something new, right? <laughs> just let them go out there and let them let the offense sort of flow a little bit. It seems very like just sort of jagged and just do, disjointed right now. Like nothing is coming easy to anybody. It's just there. It seems like there's too much thinking out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're not playing. They're thinking about what they do instead of just letting it happen. And, and I mean, I think, I, I mean, I know the special teams have been bad. I think that is something that a coach directly impacts every game. And that's why I'm on definitely, like, I'm getting on Team Fire Green, um, to be honest. I mean, I haven't been a fan of Benning. I mean, I've made no qualms with that. Like, I don't like the way the team's been run for the last few years. But there's no way you can sit there and tell me. Every year before this, I've made excuses for Travis Green that, you know, you don't have the dogs in the fight. You don't have the horses. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Make these guys better? No, you obviously can't. Like, I can't make Beagle better. Right now, this team is as good as it's going to get for the time being. Whether you like how they got there or not, the in a singular season, this team is pretty good, I'd say, in terms of the people they have on the roster. Significantly better than what you have last year. Yet, when I watch them play, I see literally no tangible difference between this year's team and last year's team. And... Is that systematic? I would wager part of it is because I was sold as a fan that Bradshaw and Jason King and Travis Green were going to implement a new system, make this team a lot better, and this team looks the same. The power play looks the power play looks exactly the same as last year, and Newell Brown walked the plank for how bad the power play was last year, and the strategy looks identical. Can anyone of you guys who watched all the games, you guys watched a lot of the games last year, uh, all the games this year? What is the strategical change in the power play from last year to this year? Can someone tell me what it is, if you actually know? Yeah, I think they're looking for more more tips in front with Chase on and more of like a kind of like a slap pass type thing to the back door of the crease. Okay. But if you're going to do that, you're asking Patterson to shoot slash pass through two, maybe even three defenders plus the goalie to get it there. Right, like, yeah, sure, it can work sometimes, but why would you not? Like, isn't the point of the power play to score? 
Like, I don't care if it's a if it's a 60-foot shot or if it's a six-inch shot away. Like, who cares? Get the puck in the net. Let Pedersen and all these guys, you know, do whatever they need to do to do it. Like, why do you don't get extra points because you do the same thing 15 times and it goes in. I, I, I don't agree. Like, I don't know why we're married to such a specific play. Be like, okay, only, you know, we're only going to score off, you know, chase on tipping on a huge point, like a huge point shot, a Pedersen one-timer or a whole red bumper shot. Like, that's the only way we can score. Why? Why is that the only way we can score? There are other ways for the power player to put the... Why, why do you want to put, put Pedersen in front of the fucking net if you want? I don't care. Just get the puck in the net. I don't care how it gets there at this point. But I'd like to see some more movement, some more creativity and just some more overall danger it just feels like anytime teams that are killing us they're not even worried about the power play it's just like ah whatever like there's no threat of anything happening really like jt miller has the puck on the half wall and it no one is even look worried about him shooting it yeah you know what i mean they're just they're all just converging on horvat or making sure that pass and get through the pedersen it, it just doesn't like and i can't on, on the flip side when the kind killing penalties it seems like we have no idea where to stand. Other teams are just skating circles around us in the zone and like how passes are flying cross cross ice like no issues. You know what I mean? It's just very frustrating to watch. I I, that, I was just about to say that. It's like I feel like other teams can constantly exploit the, the Royal Road pass or that cross scene pass in the power play against the Canucks and they're just slinging it back and forth. Yet when it's time for the Canucks to make that pass, it, feel, it looks like it's like the most difficult play in hockey. And, and it, I... I don't know why, and it's just it's irritated to me no to me to no end now. And I mean that that's just a power play. The five on five offense is even worse than that, to be honest. The Canucks can generate nothing five on five. Like the best stretch of hockey is probably uh, in the second period of the Edmonton game. They maybe stringed three or four shifts in a row together where they got the puck in it, uh, puck on on some good cycle plays, the Garland line, and a few other uh, uh, chances there. But the Canucks can't work anything to the middle. Like they're playing all over the perimeter. Um, you know, you got to get to the middle of the ice to score, and you got to get to the front of the net. Um, and I never see the Canucks there, and it's just—I don't know if it's because they're too worried about being on the right side of the fort, uh, on the defense right now that they need to, you know, sacrifice that offense, or if it's something else that you know, you know, if the Monsters stole Pedersen's power. And don't get me wrong; like I'm not worried about Pedersen long term. To about you know, find his game. I'm, I'm sure he will, um, but. At the end of the day, we, we need we need results from these guys uh, consistently. Um, did anyone else have any more thoughts on the power play or, or Canucks, you know, offensive struggles before I uh, mentioned a couple of other things before we kind of start talking about something else here? Yeah, I think the only thing I was going to say is, um, what the hell does Tanner Pearson do on the team? <laughs> yeah. Like, like legitimately, I think it was Andrew Wadden who said, friend of the show, um, who said it after, on the last um, rink wide or whatever they call it. He said, you know, like, Pearson's one of the slower players on the team. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a good shot. Yep. He's not a great passer. He's yep. decent defensively. But you can find players like that for $850,000. Like, why did you give him 3.25 to be between, a decent like, defensive player? What is the difference between Yuho Lamico and Tanner Pearson? I mean, I think there's, I think there's a bit of a difference. A but I get more, your point, like, right? You like, saying, there's though, not right? a $3 million like, difference. Exactly. Exactly. And like you said, like Pearson's offensive skills are very meh for a guy who makes that much money. You know, he leaves a lot to be desired. His hockey IQ often is you're like, oh, what do you kind of? I don't really know what you're seeing there. He's a, he's a very simple player, and you know, I don't see the total value in, in a guy like that. I agree with that for sure. I mean, I, he shoots a lot, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would agree with the uh, yeah the. Too many guys are just passengers out there right now. You, yeah. know? you know, not not taking the game and and really trying to do something with it right now. So I want to talk about a little bit about Park Colson, but I think we can do that a little later, right? Uh, we can talk about Park Colson. Park Colson. I want to talk about JT Miller actually, but if you want, you want, want to just talk? a quick thought. I think Park Colson. Andy, Andy, Park Colson or Miller? What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think Park Colson showing some flashes. I right, think we, what, was it the first ship in? First shift against Philadelphia, he took the puck to the net and had a good chance. Yep. I think that's what it was against Philadelphia. I think last game he looked decent. Um, you know, I'd like to see him get a bit more than eight minutes a game, but at least he's in the lineup. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'd just like to see him playing a little bit more. I think he's starting to get a little bit more confidence with the puck. He, uh, he had a nice sort of rush uh, to the to the net against the Oilers as well. And he, physically, he's definitely there, and he's good on the board battles. And 
you know, he's, his skating is, is pretty decent for an, at the NHL level, which is, you know, was some of the concerns. Obviously, there's mistakes sometimes with the passes and stuff, but he's, he's a rookie player. He's not going to be perfect. But, you know, I'd like to see him get some more opportunity, especially with the team struggling so badly. Like, you may as well see what you have with the kid and, and give him some more opportunity to grow with the team. Um, I thought he some great plays in the, in the last game. No, I agree. I thought he was playing some more, but I just think... I, 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 just, I don't know what the hesitancy is to not play him in a one-goal game. Or a two he's, down two nothing. Like what is the, what is he gonna do? Like the, oh we're gonna give him one more goal and make it three nothing. Like now it's like we have had a great defensive performance at this point. Anyways, Todd Colton's not even a rookie where you're worried about the defensive side of the game. Like typical rookies are where you're worried that he's cheating for the offense. If anything, you're some, I'm sometimes like hey man, like you know uh, try to you know score a little more. But he seems like way more defensive responsible than than most players his age. And I I think that I don't know what the hesitancy is to play him either in a close game. Like he's not he's not gonna be the reason. You know, there's a defensive breakdown, more likely than not, or not any more likely than any other player on the team, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if you guys kind of feel that same. I feel pretty, like, confident about Colson on the ice. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, I just would sense. just another gripe I'm having with Green right now is just sort of getting pot. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't too on his case about it near the beginning of the season because I was seeing some warts with Pod Colson, but he's definitely seemed to have getting a bit more confidence. So I'd like to see him playing some a more. A healthy scratch one, get one, one game, like, one out of ten games isn't a huge deal to me, but, you know, constantly happening, and then when you are in the lineup playing, like, seven or eight minutes a night, like, I'm with Andy. Like, go to the AHL at that point. Like, what are you doing in the NHL then? Like, what is the point of yeah. this? Yeah, I agree. That's all. I just had a quick thing about that. So, if you want to go move to JT Miller? Yeah. Um, you want to mention a sponsor? Should we mention a sponsor right now? I was going to save Bet99 for, for later, but should I get on Hapson? No. Yeah, why don't you get Hapson then? All right. Well, this is a great time to mention. One of our sponsors of the show. You hear me talk about them every week. Hapson, hockey lifestyle wear, based out of Quebec. Uh, they have the athleisure wear, hockey stylizing uh, shirts, uh, hoodies, uh, sweatpants. They have hats. Like skate laces. Hats. The hats. They have skate laces on them. It's like the signature look. Um, it's all on their website. You can get twenty five percent off store wide by using the promo code Area Fifty One. Um, the products are super comfortable. Um, they're kind of like a kind of like Lululemon. Kind of got that same uh, same athletic vibe. And they have got uh, nice uh, shirt cuts for uh, taller folks. So if you're a real if you're a real giant guy. Like our man Andy here, he might need a bit of a, might have trouble finding shirts off the rack. Uh, <laughs> Hapson's the place for you. Andy, you're learning shirts from Hapson yet? You better say yes. I have ordered. I sorry, I have I have ordered my shirt from Hapson. Right on. Uh, I think I ordered. I ordered maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday. So it's not. It hasn't got here yet, but it's supposed to come. I uh, uh, I think Monday or Tuesday. There so a right. couple days. Well, we'll be anxiously waiting your review for next week's podcast. Yes, that's Just right. To my soap review. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, so I've been, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, everybody's favorite Canuck, F-bombs, the F-bomb man, JT Miller. Um, I don't know about you, I had some strong, uh, I was, we were watching the game together, we and Ace here on Saturday night, and, uh, the game was happening and I just went off on JT Miller, and, uh, I am getting, uh, to the point where I, I'm, I'm getting done with JT Miller, um, in a Canucks uniform, like, he's so friggin' casual with the puck, and he's just, puck management is a big issue with him, I don't know how the man has so many points, I can't even remember half of them, he turns it over so often, and so casually, and literally loses the puck, and just like gives up, like multiple times during a game, and it just pisses me right off, right the hell off, like, if you're going to be a high-risk player because you think that's your game, and I think JT Miller at times in his 1920 debut with the Canucks was that player, you know, making a lot of high-risk passes and deeks and things like that. So I'm like, okay, if that's your game, fine. Honestly, I can live with a few turnovers, but I cannot live with you giving the puck up and then just throwing your hands up, you know, shouting an F-bomb and just standing there like a dumbass. Move your ass and get the fucking puck back because nobody lost it for you. You gave it away, and you're just going to sit there and complain. You're on the letter on this on this team, like starting to start showing some leadership instead of you know having this shitty attitude of how bad the team is. You're one of the you know driving forces of when the team is good. So get you know set an example for some of these younger players, and it's get, pissing me the hell off with JT Miller right now. And like you know a JT Miller trade for a right shot defenseman right now might solve a lot of this team's problems, but uh, I don't really know if I see that in the cards at this point. But I don't know what you guys have thought about JT Miller so far this season, but I am. Uh, He's wearing on my last few nerves here, to be honest. Yeah, it's hard to say for me because I think I think he's trying to do a lot of good things, but I think he's almost trying to do too much on his own. 
And the thing that's bothering me, you're right, is these blind, no look, backhand saucer passes across our own blue line. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like what are you doing? Like, I get you're trying to create offense, but there's a, you know, I think there's a time and a place to do something risky and stupid like that. And you know, when it's four minutes into the game and it's tied, it's probably not the time to be doing that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think. You know, if you look at his contract and everything, I think if you can get a legitimate top four righty back, I'm not opposed to trading JT Miller. Um, but, it, you know, that said, I'm not phoning every GM in the league and saying, hey, I'm moving Miller at Wednesday at noon to tell me your best offer. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I've gotten to the point where I'm ready to trade the guy, but because, you know, he is, when he's on, he is such a huge part of the why the team is successful, you know, and... Um, yeah, like he would be a huge hole in the top line if he was gone. But but regardless, I, I I do understand your gripes, and yeah, I definitely get frustrated watching him sometimes. But I feel like he's not the only guy on the team right now who's sort of fighting the puck. And you know, because when JT Miller's on, Andy, you make the point about the no look saucer pass towards on the line. You know, when he's on his game, that that shit is working for him. You know, and then when that's happening for him, it's just like he's a joy to watch, right? Because you're just like, oh wow, like look at this. Like ballsy playing, and you know, and the thing I will get behind is, you know, he in his first year here, especially, he had that mentality where if he lost the puck, he was just like a dog on a bone trying to get it back. You know what I mean? Like he was on his horse, getting like battling, hustling to get it back. And the last year and so far all this season, I, I haven't seen that sort of same mentality from him. So yeah, I, I get why that could be frustrating, but I think he seems like a very competitive guy, and I think he may be taking a lot of the struggles of the team and sort of letting them weigh on him and letting them affect him on the ice which is not good i would say but understandable for a guy like him that's fair and i'm not on the i'm not saying i mean you know, i'm not advocating here sitting here that we should trade jt miller don't get me wrong i'm just i've just you know uh, it's just been you know watching this like this has been the same as all of last year and i don't think anyone enjoyed watching jt miller play hockey last season and i just think that you know it's just a lack of effort at certain points is is really what uh is really what gets to me more than the actual, you know, doing some of the stuff he's doing. Like, but again, it's just like the like the nonchalantness or casualness, you know, he plays with sometimes. Where he just is like, oh, look, I'm just gonna, like, you know, this blind passes, this blown blue line. Where it's just like, he's just like, oh, I have the puck. I'm just gonna, you know, pass it over here without looking. Like, you know, just doesn't even care. It seems like he doesn't even care if he gives the puck away. And I, I just think that that just kind of feeds into the rest of the team and that kind of gets on me about like you know team identity and stuff like uh, i don't don't really see what the canucks identity is as a team right now because it's they're not that hard to play against they're not defensively stout they're not offensively producing and they just seem to turn the puck over a lot yeah it's uh (laughs) it's a good point you know i think was it yesterday after the game kevin bx made the same point Mm -hmm. You know, he was talking about the the Oilers and Flames, but he said, you know, very clearly the Flames are going to try to win 2-1 or 3-2, and they're going to be tough to play against. And very clearly the Oilers are going to use Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and try to score eight goals on every game. Mm-hmm. Right? And like you said, the Canucks don't do either one of those. They're not super good on defense, and they're not trying to score six, seven, eight goals a game. So what are they trying to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's my point as well. I, I don't really see um, what... That that point is at this point. At, at, I don't really have any answers. I'm just I'm dumbfounded myself at this point. I don't really know what to do. Um, before we kind of get to the last segment of the show here, I just want to uh, go over a couple of uh, news and notes from from the season from that that we for the week that we haven't gone over yet. Obviously, Justin Bailey's been called up. Uh, been playing uh, pretty regularly. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've uh, liked Justin Bailey's uh, game a lot, and I, I'm hopefully he hoping he. Sticks around on the NHL ticket. Uh, just give me you guys' like quick, you know, one sentence thought on Justin Bailey so far this uh, this season. He's got some speed and he's looked decent on the penalty kill. Yeah, I was gonna say I like his speed. I like his penalty kill ability. And I like the fact that he's not afraid to take the pucks to the net. So definitely not. Yep, great. Um, we always see, I had Travis Green in here, uh, but he already kind of talked about him. Uh, Travis Hamonic uh, played his first game in the AHL on Saturday uh, with the Abbey Canucks. Uh, I know I'm sure neither of you watched that game, <laughs> but um, what do you guys think? How many coming back? Uh, do you think the team needs him back? Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that whole situation. Seems like you know sooner or later he's going to be on the Canucks, the Vancouver Canucks. That is. 
Um, also, I just thought it was hilarious on the broadcast. They were talking about Hamlet getting a turn, uh, spin in the AHL and showing his uh, quote-unquote highlights there. And the very first clip they showed of him was him uh, getting completely caught completely flat-footed with like, player skates around him. And I was like, oof. Not a great look for uh, the guy you're calling in to save the season. I mean, yeah, I think based on the way the Canucks are playing, it's inevitable that he's going to get back on this roster soon. Although I have no idea where his fitness level or his vaccination status is at. So, because his organization still hasn't commented on it. But, I mean, you know, it's weird. Why, why are we talking about Hamannick, you know? Like, everyone just leave Hamannick alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be saving the season anytime soon. I Dolly Wall seems to think he's at least a couple, two to three weeks away. So, I don't think we're going to be seeing him until closer to the end of November. But Yeah, I just, like... Okay, yeah, he's an NHL player, but the Canucks already have four players like him on the team. Like, what does he do that's significantly better than Pullman? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. You can come to the team. We'll have another fifth defenseman, I guess. Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess at this point. Um, and Ace, you think you edited the doc here before uh, uh, during the. Yeah, show? I think we can say this for uh, for another time, though, because I think we can go a little bit more in depth on that. Cause Did you, I wanted to kind of see if you guys had any like quick fire ones that you I haven't really thought of anything yet. I was sort of interested to hear what you guys had to say, but I can just see if I think I have. Okay, sure, yeah. I mean, I think I have one, but I think mine's pretty obvious, but I mean. Uh, okay, well, Ace wanted just to see if you guys, I guess, when who's here to. Real moves that the Canucks could do to fix, like, fix this team right now, like, not. I know there's a lot of people on Twitter, you know, spouting off some craziness and, you know, some real pie-in-the-sky shit that is never going to happen. Like, at this point, do you guys, do you, either of you guys have any realistic uh, solutions for, for the Canucks' woes? So don't say trade Horvat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing I'd like to see is change the bottom six to get more speed. So I try to do something like uh fourth line of something like Justin Bailey, Phil DiGiuseppe, and... Uh, and like a Jason Dickinson type thing. And then I do a third line with Miller, uh, Pod Colson, and Pearson. And then I'd probably put uh, Hoaglander onto uh, Besser and Pedersen's wing. Yeah. Just try to get more speed throughout the lineup. So then who you got? You got who you got with Horvat and Garland then? Uh, who did I not say? There's, oh, uh, Nick Patan. Sorry, I'd put ah. Nick Patan there. Patan, all right. Nick yeah, sorry. Hold up in a top six role uh, for a whole season. I don't think I don't think for the whole season, but I don't think there's any player in the organization that's going to come in and save the Canucks season. So unless we're talking something crazy like trading Miller, you know, what are you going to do? Fire the coach. Fire the coach, not crazy. <laughs> Shake up the yeah, team. I mean, you guys got to know. I mean, at some point, like a coach firing can maybe get you a little bit of instant life. You know. Players might get a little shaken up, be like, you know, you cost the coach the job with your terrible play, like, trying to pull your socks up. Um, and, you know, I think it's just a message sent from the organization that, like, you know, the the level of play right now is is not acceptable and it won't the be Canucks acceptable. The Canucks are, uh, you know, are, are very well known for holding employees to a high standard. That's a joke, right? Yes, obviously it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're joking, right? It's a joke. It's a joke, guys. We had the same GM joke. for eight years, damn it. <laughs> Where was this patience with Gillis? Where? <laughs> Haven't you heard it's all Brian Brooks' fault? Oh, yeah, that's the new thing, right? I don't know what yeah, that guy's point was. Yeah, somebody legitimately told me that today. Yeah. That Gillis was cleaning up Brooks' mess. Who's some, and he didn't do that, and now it's betting. Is on betting now? Yep. What exactly is left here from Burke? Oh, Brian Brooks' fault. The longer we capture. <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. That that is a good now that yeah, is a question. I, I, I honestly I don't I know. Couldn't even is there even one connection left of Brian Burke to the Vancouver? The last one now? must have been Edler, right? Was Burke here when Edler I was gonna say I, I think Edler. Yeah, Burke was he here. was like two thousand three. Yeah, so was 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 Notice when 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 did Notice become the GM? Right after the lockout, I think. Okay, like, yeah. So that was yeah, Burke, Burke would have been near the end of Burke, yeah. So it would have been near the end of Burke there, right? Yeah, who else would that's 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 it. it. Yeah. No one by extension. The Canucks didn't trade Edlers. So there's no, you know, trade tree to follow. <laughs> I, that was, that I don't was... know. Personally, I think it's Pat Quinn's fault. No, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think. That's just what a 1 in 94 it wouldn't, have, wouldn't have mattered, so it's his fault. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. That can be argued with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, really goes back to the days of Orlat and Curtin back. Really goes back That's to the day right, we yeah. got the, really goes back to 1970 when the Canucks got a team. Just shouldn't have had one in the first place. 
This team, man, this team is taking years off my life, let me tell you guys. Taking years off my life. Um, all right, we're going to move over to uh, our newest segment, our best bets of the week from the CSWC team. Obviously, brought to you by Bet99. Sport Bet99. I was right on the money. With you were right on the money, Ace. Nice job. Bet99, the sport, the number one sports book in Canada and the official sports book of the Area 51 Sports Network. We have a special link on our website. The Area 51 Sports website that is under the under the sponsors under the sponsors tab. You go there, click the link on there. Uh, it'll give you up to an inst- an instant match of up to 600 bucks and access to our boosted odds. So we're able to boost uh, certain odds, um, you know, that are uh, related to you know local Vancouver sports. So uh, you want access to those? Check it out. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that that that's kind of what we want to what you guys to go through. Um, and, uh, and yeah, oh, no, Ace, you yelled at me before the show. Please gamble responsibly. I have to mention that. Don't waste all your money and don't take a second mortgage out to, uh, get in on this fantastic Bet99 deal. All right? Gamble responsibly. If you need help, get help. Right, Ace? Yeah, I didn't say the get help. Get help, Bart. (laughs) Andy, are you a gambling addict or are you under control? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, pl- I I have my limit and I play within it. Thank there you. you. There you go. All right. On that note, Andy, I want you. Uh, Ace, are you gonna play some music? You I, told, want me to play music? I told you to have music while I was doing this. Okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I've been too, too You're too late. I wanted to do what I was talking. Okay, okay. You know what? It's sorry. I'm gonna turn it off. I, no, it's for fine. next week. It's I'll fine. be back, ready. I'll be better for next week. Just play it. I no. want to hear something. No. No. Anything. No, I didn't have a good song ready. I needed that in advance because you sprung it on me in the middle of the read and I wasn't you ready. You had at least 20 minutes. I wanted to have a money-related <laughs> song. <laughs> okay, you're, Andy. You're a terrible producer. Wow, okay. All right. I'll let Andy kick it off. Andy, what is your best bet of the week? Best bet of the week for the people. Yeah, so my best bet this week, um, I'm actually going to take Chicago Blackhawks money line on Tuesday Tuesday night, Ooh. I guess, to playing Ottawa. <laughs> they don't have a win yet this season. Ottawa, I think, had a you know better start than they probably thought. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury released some comments to the media, I think it was Saturday, talking about how it's embarrassing and you know how the team needs to figure it out, so... Listen, they're not going to go 0-82. Eventually, they're going to win. Um, I think they're going to win on uh, Tuesday against Ottawa. Right on. All right. Uh, what are the odds on that, Andy? Uh, sorry, the odds on the money line is minus 125 for All the right. Blackhawks. Okay. All right. There you go. Ace, I know you got yours ready to go. What you giving us, buddy? I'm sticking local. I'm going to the Vancouver Whitecaps. They're playing LAFC uh, on Tuesday, I think. Tuesday. So you can take the draw. If you want, but I'm going to take the win at plus 433. The Whitecaps are on a roll right now. They're gunning for a playoff spot. Brian White can't seem to stop scoring goals. Brian Gold and him have been absolute dynamite. Craig Poe has been amazing. So I like I like Vancouver's chances of winning. So give me the Vancouver Whitecaps on the money line, plus 433. All right, let's make it three for three for the money line this week. Then I'm going to take the Washington Capitals uh, over to Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow. Uh, on the money line, you can get the Caps at plus 122 at Bet99 right now. Uh, Caps have been uh, pretty solid to start the season. Ovechkin has been a goal-scoring machine. Tampa Bay's had a bit of a so-so start. The goaltending hasn't looked the best. Advanced analytics back that up. They're right in the middle of the NHL in terms of gold state to placement. And I think the Capitals have a bit of a more high-flying offense that people are giving them credit for. And I think the Capitals are a bit of an underrated team this year. Uh, so uh, give me the Caps at plus 122 uh, on the money line. Nice value there. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good value. I, I should mention value. if you think the Whitecaps are going to draw, you can get great odds on that too, plus 333. But I'm positive about the Whitecaps, not about the Canucks though. So give me the Whitecaps. I'm pumped for that game. Nice. Pumped for that game. I'm a big soccer guy now. Yeah. They've drawn me in. I know. I know. I'm actually pretty excited about the Whitecaps myself this year for the first time in forever, honestly. Yeah. Andy, you been watching the Whitecaps or what? Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> I have been watching the Whitecaps a little bit. Um... Yeah, they look good. I went to their game, I think, beginning of October against San Jose where Ryan White got the hat trick. Oh, that was the start of something special? Yeah. You know what? Like, if you want a cheap a cheap uh, activity to go to, the Whitecaps games are great. Like, we had pretty good seats lower bowl. I think they were, like, 50 bucks each. But, you know, it's a fun time. The crowd's fun. Um, you know, you got to pay, like, $12 a beer. But besides that, it's actually a pretty good time. And the team's winning, so get out there. Playoffs around the corner. That's right. Nice. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right, that's all I got. Ace, uh, give me the uh, give me the uh, sandstorm so I can uh, get out of here. Why is it so quiet? I turned it down when I was playing the music. All right. right. 
Thanks for listening to another week, everyone. Find us on all your major podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. Just look up Capspace Wins Cups. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Capspace Cups. We're super interactive, so check us out. If you don't listen from Apple iTunes, please go to Apple iTunes and leave us a five-star review because I'm a five-star man. It really helps with the show. Also, go check out all the other great content on the Area of G1 Sports Network, Point Shot Hockey, Canucks Mafia, the Third Line Podcast, Terminal City FC, the UFO Show, Van Slam, and all the fantastic writing on the website. It's your home for Vancouver sports content. That's all we got for this week, everybody. See you all next week. Vancouver selects from the University of Michigan, Quinn Hughes. From Timra, Elias Peterson. From Waterloo of the USHL, Brock Besser. From the London Knights of the Canadian Hockey League, Bo Horvath. To the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for JT Miller. Dr. Demko with an amazing 43 save performance says let's play game six. Ladies and gentlemen, please make some noise and welcome the 14th captain of your Vancouver Canucks. Let's go!